Lord Jesus, on this day of resurrection, help us not only to profess Easter, help us to possess Easter in the depths of our own hearts and souls. In your name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Christ is risen, hallelujah. He is risen indeed, hallelujah. A blessed Easter day to you all, friends. You know, if you buy a lottery ticket, do you know what the odds are that you will win a multi-state Powerball lottery? The various estimations are out there. The one I read most recently said the odds are 1 in 185 million. You're better off keeping your money. All right, do something more productive with it. If you play baseball in high school, what are the odds of playing in the major leagues? One in 6,600. Okay. Did you know that those are the same odds of someone guessing your four-digit pin on their first try? One in 6,600. What are the odds that you will be struck by lightning in any given year? According to the National Weather Service, it's one in 1,222,000. But uh, before you get too comfortable, the odds that you will be struck by lightning in your lifetime, one in 15,300. So you might want to stay out of the lightning storms and thunderstorms. By the way, a man named Roy Sullivan holds the world record for being struck by lightning. He's in the Guinness Book of Records for getting struck by lightning seven times in his lifetime, and he survived all seven. And he earned the nickname, the human lightning rod, appropriately so. But the most important what-are-the-odds question is this one. What are the odds of a dead man coming back to life? More specifically, what are the odds that a man brutally beaten and then executed in the most horrific way by the Roman Empire would come back to life? The odds are astronomical. But get this on this Easter day, friends. Get this. Against all odds, it happened. It really happened. Eyewitnesses saw it and wrote about it. And their testimony is contained in the most historically reliable documents of all ancient literary history by far. The evidence is irrefutable. Against all odds, a dead man named Jesus came back to life. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. But you know, if you think about it, God has always been doing things against all odds. Today we wrap up our sermon series based on the book of Exodus, a series we've been in throughout the Lenten season. We focus our attention today on some of the verses from Exodus chapter 15. 
what are the odds that a group of Israelite state slaves would defeat the most powerful military force on earth, the Egyptians led by that mean and mighty pharaoh? Well, the drama, of course, began way back in Exodus chapter 1, verse 11, where it says the Egyptians put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor who worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. And it gets worse. We go to Exodus chapter 5 and Basically, Pharaoh says, no longer supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. But it gets worse. As the Israelites flee Egypt, They look over their shoulders and they see Pharaoh and his army madly chasing after them, screaming essentially, you'll have hell to pay. And then it gets even worse. The Israelites become surrounded and stuck on all sides. And then we come to Exodus 14, verse 11. The people said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? And if you know the story, you know exactly what happened next. Just when the odds were completely against Israel, Moses lifted his staff and the Red Sea waters parted. The Israelites crossed on dry ground to safety But when the Egyptian armies pursued them, the waters returned and the enemy was drowned. Exodus chapter 15 then is a victory song, a song. We wish we had the original music for it. We just have the lyrics. It's a victory song that Moses and the Israelites then sang after God had defeated the enemy. Listen to just the opening verses of the song one more time. I will sing to Yahweh. That's the personal name for God. I will sing to Yahweh for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. Yahweh is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. Yahweh is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. It's a song of victory. A song of praise to God. You might say it was the very first hallelujah. All of this, however, is just a peak a prelude, a preview, if you will, into the Bible's greatest against-all-odds story. Opposition began early in Jesus' ministry. 
Pharisee's plot with the Herodians to figure out a way to get rid of him. Detractors say that he is demon-possessed. Scribes test him with Torah trivia. His own brothers and sisters ride and ridicule him. Sadducees posture with Pentateuchal pride, and it gets worse. Christ will have hell to pay, quite literally. Once arrested, Jesus is bound, falsely accused in front of the high priest, and mistreated. And it only gets worse. He is blindfolded and mocked. Later, he is stripped naked and beaten into a bloody pulp by Roman soldiers. And yes, it gets even worse. Blood-soaked and weak, Jesus is forced to carry a cross to his own place of execution. In his utter weakness, he falls, and a substitute has to step in to carry the cross the rest of the way. Jesus is then spiked to that cross where he hangs in torment for six hours. About three o'clock on that Friday afternoon, Jesus says, It is finished, meaning all sin is paid in full, and he gives up his spirit. In death, a Roman soldier pierces his side with a spear to make absolutely certain that he is dead. And then Jesus' body is removed from the cross and buried in a nearby tomb. Dead and buried. In most cases, we would say, end of story. But just when everyone thought it was all over, on that Sunday morning, the angel announces, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Mary sees Jesus face to face and says, Rabboni, meaning my teacher. And a week later, Thomas for the ages says, my Lord and my God. Against all odds, Jesus lives. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The goal of this sermon, friends, is for us to both profess Easter and also to possess Easter. To profess Easter and to possess Easter for ourselves. Easter happened, that's profess. Easter is happening in me and in you, that's possess. We want to profess Easter and we want to possess Easter. But sometimes there are some barriers that get in the way of us truly possessing Easter for ourselves personally. There are at least three barriers to possessing Easter. Here's one. Maybe you grew up in a family that just didn't work. You know, sometimes I run into people and they're kind of like walking zombies. 
because when they were children, there was something that got broken on the inside. Now they're a third or halfway through life and they're starting to think that what is broken will never get fixed. What was lost will never be found. Their stories take a variety of forms. I'm talking, for example, about the one in three people whose parents got divorced, leaving the children shattered. I'm talking about the one in four women who were sexually abused as children. I'm talking about the one in seven people who grew up with an alcoholic parent. I'm talking about the people who grew up in families with absentee dads, screaming parents, controlling moms, and abusive siblings. You feel as though the odds are completely against you. Or there's another barrier to some, to experiencing and possessing Easter. Maybe you experienced a devastating loss. For some of you, this means your spouse died. For some, it means your child died. For some, it means a father or mother died. For some, it means a marriage died. For others, it means your dream died. And I would venture to guess that for some of you, your will to live has all but died. Most days, perhaps it feels as though Mount Everest is sitting on your chest, crushing what's left of your life, and you feel as though all the odds are completely against you. And it's hard to possess Easter. Or maybe you are crippled by a destructive habit. What is it for you? Gambling? Drugs? Alcohol? Pornography? Work? Whatever it is, you feel as though the odds are completely against you. Well, all the odds were against a man by the name of Lee Caps. Lee, who didn't know how to fly, took off in a private plane with a friend who was a pilot. And then when they got up to cruising altitude, Lee's friend, the pilot, had a heart attack and died right there in the plane in flight. True story. Lee grabbed the radio and cried for help. An air traffic controller in Renton, Washington, heard Lee's cry for help. He said, this is your lucky day. I'm not only an air traffic controller, I'm also a flight instructor. Would you be interested in a flying lesson? Being otherwise unoccupied, Lee Cap said, sure, why not? The air traffic controller said, Lee, you're going to have to take a shot at landing the plane. No practice, no dress rehearsal, no spring training. Well, 
Lee Caps came in kind of like a drunken duck. He was all over the place, and he hit pretty hard when he landed. But Lee Caps walked away from all of it with only a few minor cuts. Afterwards, the air traffic controller was interviewed by several TV stations. Did you really think he would walk away alive? The air traffic controller simply responded, Folks, Lee Caps made it against all odds. Well, friend, I can well imagine that there is some stuff going on. Perhaps a whole lot of stuff is going on in your life. You're circling the runway and trying to land, and your greatest fear is that you will crash and burn, wondering what lies in the future. Well, let me remind you, let me remind you of two honest-to-God facts. Against all odds, Israel made it out of Egypt. And better yet, far better yet, against all odds, Jesus Christ is risen and is alive today for you. He died, yes, to forgive your sins. And he lives to give you life in all of its fullness, life now and life for all eternity. We profess Easter with every ounce of our being. But, oh God, we also long to possess Easter with every ounce of our being as well. And you know what? St. Paul says we can. He says we can possess Easter. Romans 8, verse 11, he says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You see, through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, Easter can happen in us. God promises resurrection for everything that looks so lifeless, so hopeless, so dead. And so, friend, ask God to make all of this real for you. He's as close as a silent prayer. In John 14, 19, Jesus puts it this way. Because I live, you also will live. Easter happened. That's profess. Easter is happening in me. That's possess. We live now and we live forever. So what is there left to say except Christ is risen, hallelujah. He is risen indeed, hallelujah. And a very blessed Easter to you all. Amen.